Hi, and welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and I'll take you into the kitchens of some of our finest Melbourne restaurants. Today, I sat down with Dan Cooper at Prince Dining Room, and we chatted all things vegetables, Moroccan spices, and how important it is to build well-being in a team in the kitchen. Sit back and relax. You're getting the full backstory from Conversation with a Chef. Right, because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at editing. Yeah, yeah I heard t- I heard Timmy swearing, so um. oh. <laughs> yeah, it's all very natural and <laughs> how it happened. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice good. Class. So, how's your day been going? Yeah, it's been really well, thank you. And yours? Yeah, pretty good, thank you. Good, yeah. Good. Um, often on sun out there, so I think it's getting into that time of year, isn't it, where people are like coming out of hibernation, yeah, or willing absolutely. to go out and do yeah, things as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we notice it here. As well, things happening around just foot traffic around uh, the beaches and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Really nice. um, yeah, big difference like yeah. instantly when the sun starts to fall out. Yeah, yeah. I think too, there's something about Melbourne because we actually had a really long summer last year, last into autumn, but people right. start, suddenly start going, oh my god, I'm so over winter, you know, yeah. let's just bring on the sun again, and then people are out. Two months of winter, yeah. 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 I was reading about you that you um, were at Aria for a period of time. Are you originally yep. from Brisbane? Or? No, I'm not from Brisbane. I um, that was the first big, big move from the country. I grew up in Hunter Valley, actually. Oh, so, okay, wow. Um, yeah, so I spent my time there cooking, uh, doing my training there, um, and then the first big, big move um, was to Brisbane. Okay. So I spent some time working up there. Um, is that something you always knew uh, you were going to do? Was that you'd be a chef? Is that? Um, look, to be honest, um, like I, I did, I cooked through school and things, and I always sort of had a knack, I guess, for uh, enjoying that and kind of uh, being good at it. Um, but I also had, uh, growing up in sort of a small town, I always had this, uh, you know, this urge or this feeling to sort of get out and explore and sort of. Um, Know, go and there's so much more out there to sort of see um, and then you know, I spent some time in some kitchens when I was 16 and 17 talking to chefs and kind of fell in love with what the industry really could offer um, from there wow. um, we always had a, a vegetable garden growing up as a kid or, uh, we were always sort of quite hands on but, but I didn't really uh, reflect on that you know, until sort of later in my cooking career. I was like, that was I was very lucky to to have had that growing up. You know, have that sort of um, you know natural inspiration, I guess, uh, around you all the time. So, um, and when it clicked for you when you started working amongst yeah. the people, chefs and so on, and, and venues, what do you think it was that really appealed to you the most about being a chef? About being a chef? Um, or hospitality? Or hospitality? Well, I mean, yeah, I think. I mean, kind of. Um, I did my training and then I, I was lucky enough to, to work with a, um, a couple of people that you know, sort of mentors or I sort of consider mentors and they kind of they'd spent some time in Sydney and in Brisbane as well and you know, owning and operating restaurants and hospitality venues um, and they kind of encouraged me really to sort of like yeah, get out and sort of see the world and, and not only that but sort of have that 
know that level of sort of, I guess, creativity and a bit of freedom, and not just freedom within the kitchen, but freedom as to, to where you can go and what you can do tomorrow, I guess, as well. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is pretty, um, you know, it was really nice to sort of hear someone say that to you and kind of, like, um, I guess, have, you know, what I sort of felt, you know, what I wanted was like, yeah, actually, you can. Yeah. The world's yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. 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 So, um, so when you moved from a small town to Brisbane and you started cooking at Aria, like, so it must have been quite um, a different experience to be in a two-headed restaurant. What yeah. was what, like? What was the shift you had to make? What what level did you come in there? I, I came in as commissioner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was only um, twenty-one. 21 years old, so young, fresh, fresh out of the sort of Hunter Valley, uh, Newcastle, I guess, um, dining scene. So it was, uh, for me, uh, like it was a little bit overwhelming, uh, but I, I certainly, uh, you know, to take that as a step back, rather, I kind of attacked that head on. It was really, you know, really impressive. I was very impressed, like, sort of, yeah. almost blown away by it. Um, you know, we do 250 covers for lunch, 250, 300 covers for dinner in the same day on Friday, no problems. Um, you know, the, the kitchen would just operate seamlessly. It was a, it was a really, really well-oiled machine, and you know, it's a, it was there for 10 years, so it's a credit to, you know, to those guys and they did. Um, yeah. But that operated so smoothly, um, so it was really nice to see that sort of operation. On a big scale, mm. to another two hundred level as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? In that sort of uh, restaurant um, hierarchy, is that, yeah. that naturally chefs, because all the chefs I talk to are, um, are so creative and um, imaginative and, and forward thinking, and yeah. they all talk about wanting to learn more and to be learning all the time. Mm. But it's sort of naturally imposed on you. I guess maybe not. Like maybe people are just happy to stay in some places at a lower level. But it feels to me like chefs are always trying to rise up through the ranks. Yeah. So, yeah. They're pretty determined bunch. That's yeah, for sure. I think very so. driven. Like, um, I'd be surprised if they um, weren't all Capricorns. Um, yeah. <laughs> like myself. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, the, yeah, long hours. Look, I, I, I've always um, enjoyed everything about the hospitality industry. I think you know the long hours part comes into play when we start to burn the candle at both ends. Um, we're an industry that's kind of um, you know it's so. It's never set in anything. The service could go for an hour longer, or people tables come late. You know, it's always going to be um, uh, varied hours of work. Uh, but I think, I guess, on the other hand, it's about how you know you sort of drive the other side of it. You know, whether it's well-being and things like that. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, being spoken about more and more often now, isn't it? Yeah. And how, you know, now that you're a head chef, um, how, do you, how do you maintain the well-being, that's what, I guess, of you, but also of your team? What yeah. do you do for that? Yeah, so we, um, we, we do lots of things. We kind of put uh, well-being and health at the forefront of conversation as opposed to, um, you know, our industry's always around sort of alcohol and things like that, I guess, but instead of that sort of party vibe, it's a bit more, we kind of drive a little bit more about uh, well-being, you know, we, we do yoga together, um, you know, we really drive, we've linked up with um, the sea bars for a gym memberships and things like that, so the guys can go down there um, as well and kind of put that at the forefront of conversations within the kitchen, so it's a little bit more normalised, I guess, like if you went to yoga on the weekend or uh, if, uh, if you said that 10 years ago, you know, it just, it just wasn't said no, at all. Um, so, um, yeah, so I guess it's just, it's about managing, um, you know, 
that side of things as well and sort of trying to be healthy and every day we hear about chefs that have burnout or have left the industry and things like that and I guess it's just um, yeah, trying to make the, that other side. Yeah, when it. you do do long hours, um, that you are taking care of yourself and um, that it's encouraged on our side. Well, we're so often talking about sustainability in terms of um, the products that you're using, but it yep. is about sustainability for people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And your team. Yeah, absolutely it is. You know, like we said, it's, the industry varies so much on hours and things like yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, just ensuring that everyone's... Um, yeah, taking care of themselves outside of work and sort of asking those questions as yeah, well. Yeah, so great. Yeah. Um, I was wanting to either of you, want, where did you get through, at what point did you go through at ARIA? At what um, position did you get up to? Uh, no, I was just, I just so you, worked at the comedy. You just switched to the comedy yeah, yeah, sometimes. How long were you yeah. there? Uh, 15 months, I think. Okay. That was my whole time in Brisbane. Right, okay. Yep. And so then you... Moved to Melbourne. Moved to Melbourne, yep. yeah. And so that's sort of where you rose up to the ranks. Yeah. 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 I moved to Melbourne and um, I worked at Circa. I was pretty fortunate. Um, in some ways, I guess, I worked under three really, really good head chefs, um, with Jake Nicholson, Paul Wilson and Ash Hicks. Um, but it was kind of three, I mean, it was one restaurant and one kitchen, but it was kind of three three restaurants really because the food style was very different um, the operations of it was very different it was the same you know ran operated on the circuit but it was three very different incarnations of, of that space so um, I spent uh, four and a half years Circa. Mm, okay, wow. So slowly, I came in as uh, chef to party and left as um, the sous chef. So, yeah, yeah I spent some time here and, uh, yeah, worked, as, I guess, um, at that age, mid sort of 20s, that's when you really start to, to sort of drive it on. Yeah. Yeah, so. And then you had a bit of a sabbatical. I did. <laughs> I did, yeah. Yeah, I had a little bit of a sabbatical. I um, took uh, the best part of a year off. Um, which was, you know, I was very lucky to to have been able to do that. Um, I guess I did work pretty hard to get it as well. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's lots of travelling, lots through Southeast Asia uh, and Europe, mm. the two main places that I, that I spend my time. Um, and just sort of that kind of change changes you as well, I guess. Like, yeah. Sort of out there travelling and sort of. Uh, getting a bit more of an understanding of culture and food and people uh, along the way. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like sitting on the streets of Vietnam, um, you know, and not being able to communicate with anyone, but um, you know, verbally, but all being able to sort of point at something and say, yes, that's delicious. Yeah. I want to order that. Like those guys are having a good time. Yeah. And send that to my table as well, and sort of get a thumbs up from the other side of the room from, um, you know. Um, some Vietnamese or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty. It's kind of pretty special moments, I think. And you sort of get that around the whole world. It's going to be it's, uh, Northern Africa or um, you know, the southern parts of Spain, Italy, Sicily, uh, Spain, um, France, or, or anywhere like that. It's pretty, yeah. Those sort of moments are pretty special. Yeah, well, I think cliches are cliches for a reason. We often yep. say food brings people together, but it's yep. really um, when you go and you see yep. how other communities and cultures um, yep. interact over food and yep. get excited over food. Yep. I mean, I remember um, when I first I spent a year in France and I went to the hairdressers and I was there for ages. And, um, and meanwhile, these two people for like the whole hour were there were having this 
discussion or debate and what was the correct recipe for the galette de roi with the king's cake that they have at the start of the year and I was like oh this is so French I love it but um, just that you know sitting around big tables you know some of those Mediterranean countries that are yeah. around there for ages and people talk about religion and yeah. politics which you know coming from Anglo-Saxon countries it was always like yeah. talk about those things but just yeah. like I don't know just a real look there's a real common ground I think and a real sort of um, you know, it's a real difference, especially a couple of main experiences that I, so I guess I had. Two, one that I really like to talk about. Lucky enough to meet a friend of mine, and he's Sicilian. We met him over there. We met with, uh, for dinner with about twenty of, of his friends. Uh, this restaurant was kind of up on this um, uh, mountain, about forty-five minutes from the coast, but about an hour and a half. Um, it was about an hour and a half drive total it took us to get up there anyway we got up to this restaurant sort of 20 of us sort of sitting around and eating and trying to communicate in um, broken English you know all through my mate um, and got to the end dinner we sort of all had beers and been um, drinking and, and eating and had such a good time and came time to pay for the bill and um, and my girlfriend sort of took our money out and went to pay and, and then my mate was like, no, no, it had all been taken care of. They just split um, our portion between 18 people that we didn't know um, just because we were the guests of, of their town and their community and their restaurant. Like, it was just such like an overwhelming, I was kind of like, blown away by, it, yeah. by that generosity and that hospitality and just so, came so natural to them. And you would have gone, I think, at the perfect time in terms of sometimes when you've um, you've been learning something or doing, you know, a craft or a job for a certain amount of time, and then you go away um, and you've got that knowledge, but you know, like I think it. You see more about what you need to know. I think you, then you yeah. know what you need to know and what you can really that's, soak it all up. Yeah, that's right. You kind of, um, you know, you get to sort of learn and interpret for yourself as well. So yeah. Previously, you know, you spent a lot of time uh, working with head chefs and things, and that's their um, domain and, and things like that. And you just get to take a little bit of time, um, you know, and, and, and taste food and eat things, and, and then sort of be able to interpret them for yourself because um, I guess that's where we get most of our inspiration you know it's hard to sort of you know, it's such a brilliant thing that chefs have and put their interpretation on things but you know, a lot of us speak about you know I came across a dish on the street somewhere or a flavour somewhere you know generally you know in the back streets of, of somewhere you know and then that I kind of take that back and, and then put my own sort of creativity on it well yeah and that's, I mean, that's what diners do is that the food that you're then creating you know that creates a memory for them or can transport them somewhere else that's and right that's the power of food as well yeah yeah absolutely it's pretty special yeah and I was reading that you came back with some particular ideas or um Influences about the spices and things that you were yeah. using, and so that yeah. sort of changed the way that Prince Dining Rooms, the menu, yeah. and so on. So, can yeah. you talk me through that a bit? Yeah, definitely. Like, through that travel and through um, when I first took on the role here, uh, the middle of last year, I went back to Europe again. I um, spent a bit more time uh, in sort of northern Africa and uh, a little bit more of the Med. Um, Italy, sort of trying to gain some inspiration and things like that and kind of seeing when you sort of travel across those parts of, of Europe, everybody's uh, approach is the same, you know, it's all seasonal and very local and just getting a, a sort of uh, a palette I guess for, for how the spices are used or you know, how things are done so in Morocco I spent some time with uh, a chef there and um, he then introduced me to 
uh, home cook. He was a, a good friend of his. Um, she was uh, you know, a Moroccan equivalent of a nonna, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't actually know the word, so. Um, a grandmother. Um, and she was a very good cook, and I spent uh, five days we spent together. Um, spent time in the markets and uh, cooking, and you know, for a few hours each day, trying to learn and take in everything from her that I could, um, jotting things down. And I was asking so many questions you know, as a chef. And we got to this point, she was, we were cooking a, a tagine, it was on the last day, and um, just, it was cooking with the prunes, very classical lamb with uh, sesame and prunes, lamb tagine. Um, and I was asking all these questions about the, the, the prunes we were cooking, you know, can you change, what are the spices, can you change the spices, what about the fruits, can we put plums in there, can we use figs, can we use different sort of things. And I think she just had just about had enough by that stage. And she kind of almost backhanded me a little bit and said to me, yeah, that um, this is the recipe that you know her grandmother taught her mother and this is what her mother taught her and this is what she was teaching me. Um, at the same time, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I sort of get it. So I sort of still took some notes down um, as well, but um, that was interesting. But we'd go to the markets and she'd buy a cumin from one stand and a coriander seeds from the next stand, oh, okay, yeah. a saffron from the next stand, um, you know, and it's not too dissimilar to in Southeast Asia. You know, they'll buy, it'll be two duck and rice shops, but they'll buy rice from one store and duck from the next store. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because then yeah. You know, it's a different grain of rice or the rice is cooked slightly different and each family has their sort of prerogative, I guess, over what they want. Yeah. yeah, so it was also really sort of interesting. Um, I couldn't really tell the difference about the time, but, but, but she definitely could. Uh, apparently so. Sometimes it's about relationships too, yeah, isn't it? And obviously well, for them, you know, they choose the best right. ingredient, but sometimes that's because they, yeah. you know, there's been all this history before. That's right. So. That's right. Probably where her mother got it and yeah. where her grandmother got it, and that's it. You know, not too dissimilar to us with surprise either. Yeah, I was going to say, so you will have built up now your own relationships with surprise yeah. here, and can you recreate what you discovered over there? Are you able to find the ingredients you need to um, do Yeah, well, we're pretty fortunate um, in Australia, I guess, to, to have such a diverse... Climate, you know, from the north and all the way down to the south as well, whether it's stone fruits and things like you know, the stone fruits when you're walking through Morocco or Spain or anything, you understand. If you've been there, you understand there are big trolleys of, of sort of super ripe stone stone fruit that almost um, you know permeate the, the streets as you're walking by. Yeah. Um, so sort of having those um, relationships with some suppliers and things like that that are small batch or you know they can kind of like you know transport you directly back there yeah that's right you get like a peach that's sort of sweet and delicious and running down your hands with <laughs> delicious flavour you're like oh you can definitely be on the streets in Morocco yeah, yeah okay wow yeah. so we're pretty lucky um, to have some relationships that we do have um, and sort of be able to yeah sort of I guess recreate a little bit of that yeah. So uh, you will have had a winter menu, but you probably starting to think more about a spring. Do you change for spring? Yeah, we sort of evolved the menu uh, pretty quickly here, actually. Um, some proteins and things will will last a bit longer, but certainly the vegetables and the section and um, some garnishes will But you quite vegetable driven, is that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll move things, um, you know, if it's one week, then one week, or if it's uh, one month, then one month. Oh, okay. Just evolve, okay. Um, evolve the menu really, really quickly. 
Okay. Um, well, we sort of don't sort of set ourselves a window of, okay, we'll run this menu for this long. Okay. We'll just use um, what we can uh, in the peak of the season if we have to change. If that means changing things daily, then it's daily, or yeah. weekly, then it's weekly. Yeah, wise. I was thinking, you know, you know, I asked this question about seasonal or whatever, but, you know, in terms of, you know, the Indigenous people, the Aborigines, they, they had multiple seasons, and I think yeah. sometimes we just think of those four seasons, yeah. but it's quite right to be a bit of, a little bit more led by yeah. walking on country and seeing what's fresh and what's available That's on the right. day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That means, you know, back to those relationships, that means having being super close with um, with suppliers and almost communicating on a daily basis. Um, five or six veg suppliers, you know, they'll text me at nine o'clock at night, hey Dan, you know, the strawberries are ready to be picked now, do you want them tomorrow? Or the zucchini flowers are ready to go now. It's not about sort of, you know, being able to, uh, having that, you know, not just pick up the phone, oh, I need a kilo of strawberries or a pint of zucchini flowers tomorrow. You're kind of like, okay, they're ready now and they're the best now. Right. I'm picking them. Yeah. I'm going to send them in tomorrow or... Does it make you excited or does it make you feel yeah. panicked like about what are you going to do excited. with it? <laughs> yeah, excited. I think maybe sometimes um, some of the guys feel a little bit panicked but um, I think sometimes like it's an opportunity I guess to you know sort of um, see something when it's at its peak and then yeah. get creative like and continuously as well and sort of um, you know, we're lucky enough that we have a kitchen, you know, wood fires and wood ovens and, right. you know, good equipment around that as well. So we kind of, that's our first sort of port of call when we're looking to, to cook something. Um, so we kind of go towards, you know, lean towards the wood fire or the wood oven uh, with whatever we're doing. But so what would be the process? If someone rings up and says, okay, the zucchini flowers are ready to go, do you yep. then, um, like, have a chat to the team or do you think, oh, I'm going to, like... I think I'll do this. Or oh, where are the ideas coming from? Are you? Yeah, definitely from um, the whole team. Yeah. Definitely. You know, we have a pretty diverse um, kitchen background of you know, South South America, Europe, um, you know, different parts of Europe as well. Like I think, um, and, and different working restaurant backgrounds as well. You know, um, so I think trying to take a little bit of input from everyone and then sort of creating something you know that that fits. With what we do here is um, is certainly more beneficial for, for everyone, mm. you know, myself included, because people have you know, lots to teach me as much as I have to teach someone else. Yeah. So, um, I think that's important uh, as well, and sort of sort of letting people you know, see something and, and manage it and, and understand the ingredient as well, as yeah. opposed to sort of getting something a recipe. Yeah. And um, apart from um, the resource of your team, do you um, where else do you get inspiration? You do Instagram as a Books, is it? Um, yeah, food. yeah. I guess that's sort of inspiration-driven everywhere, you know. Um, you know product, I suppose, yeah, the product comes up. The product is um, is certainly number one. Yeah. As opposed, we just kind of take a product and and we'll move, you know, to a dish from from the product. As opposed to you know, some old classical cooking is almost like recipe-driven. We sort mm. of find a recipe first, and then and yeah, then you kind true. of build a dish to that recipe. As opposed to, you know, it's a big movement for that, or it has been. Paris is a good example, you know, with those new age bistros where the guys um, sort of, um, I think, um, in the last sort of five to eight years, that's kind of, you know, you can see a big shift in what a, what a Parisian bistro is. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah. Yeah. It's not all coco Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boeuf bourguignon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as delicious as it is, but yeah, it's, all, right. it's all very, um, you know, um, produce driven, I guess, yeah. you know, as well. So, the markets are amazing. I did a cooking class in Paris and um, we went to the market at Bastille and it was just 
yeah. get over us. Like, yeah. I mean, I know we've got great markets here, but yeah. you know, it's great to see yeah. Parisian markets. Yeah. So give me an example. What's on the menu tonight? What are some dishes that are exciting? They're probably all exciting. But... Yeah. Um... <laughs> on the spot, on the spot, my I'm just trying to think of something to put. I guess, um, you know, some things that uh, on the menu. I guess some good examples of what we do here. We'll start with um, you know, our carrots dish. Uh, we're also trying to you know, be sustainable when we can, where possible as well. So we roast our carrots uh, in the wood oven and make a harissa, green harissa out of the tops of the carrots. There's no waste there. We don't uh, peel the carrots. We just give them a good scrub and a good wash um, with some seeds and things. And uh, lots of, you know, our seafood is kind of uh, market-driven as well. Um, but we really lock ourselves into anything. So you know, having a good relationship there with um, the seafood, different seafood suppliers as well and sort of understanding, you know, what's in the market and being able to Know, push that out into the restaurant as well through a little bit of education there. Um, but there's other lots of hearty dishes. Roasted pumpkin in the wood oven now, and um, we roast the whole pumpkin in the wood oven. And around where the seeds are, we, we make a take the seeds out, we boil that, make a little pumpkin stock, um, and also to clean the seeds off. Um, then we make a little curry out of the odds and ends, oh. so a pumpkin curry with using the stock and then we dry the seeds out um, and uh, shallow fry them in some olive oil and lots of spices in there so a little sort of dukkha pumpkin seed mix so you know there's no waste on the pumpkin either that's cool yeah oh, wow yeah so that's a good one um, so um, some sweet potato at the moment just using whatever's in the market whether it's purple or white or we have orange on tonight as well um, lots of sesame and preserved lemon and chilli um, as well which is really yummy. Um, there's some good, like, good examples of, of vegetable dishes yeah. that kind of, um, you know, stand out and, and sort of stand up for themselves as well. You know, can be quite happy to, to sort of have those as a, as, you know, on the table and, and sort of let them be the hero and maybe have, you know, a small amount of protein to sort of share as opposed to the other way around where it used to be 500 grams or a kilo of protein so uh, with one or two sides, you know, maybe put three or four sides on the table and uh, or three or four, you know, hero vegetable dishes um, and then and then sort of have a smaller amount of protein uh, with some fish or some Nichols chicken or, uh, you know, even the tagine for four people. So. Is that the tagine recipe from your... That is the... the it is... <laughs> Yes, you say that. You use that term loosely. So I should yeah. start to know it because I have told that story before. And, um, I should just really yeah. um, look it up. But it is the exact uh, recipe. The only difference is uh, the cut of meat. We use leg in Morocco, um, and when we use shoulder here, so it holds up to braising um, a little bit better. Um, but um, that's really the only the only difference. The fruit is the same. Yeah, great. Lucky. Yeah. Delicious. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's plenty. Easy. <laughs> Thanks, Dave.